rent to own can seem highly attractive, especially if you've just moved into a place, you don't have any furniture, you don't have a TV, but they sell it as a quick instant gratification, but you're typically overpaying on the front end and overpaying over time. On this episode of Getting Money Right, we're talking about some very specific types of debt that can severely damage your finances. You've probably heard of a payday loan or title loan or rent-to-own or similar types of loans. Well, we're going to dissect these types of loans and share how they work so that you can be better informed and hopefully avoid them in the future. Yeah, I think the first one that we're going to break down is just the payday loan. And a payday loan essentially is an advance against your next paycheck. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the money today, but you have a job and you're planning to get paid a week from now, two weeks from now. So you go to the payday lender. uh, They verify that you have a job. They verify that you have a bank account. And they say, okay, great. Write us a check today for more than we're going to lend you. So if they're going to lend you $100, then they say, write me a check today for $130. So that two weeks from now, when you get your payday, I can cash that $130 check. And it's only been two weeks, but you gave them $30 Mm -hmm. in order to borrow $100. Interest rates around that is something like 600%. (laughs) It gets to be pretty crazy when you do the math. Yeah. And so you are now going out, getting this loan, promising to repay. But one of the goofiest things about this is that as you take this, it's a 15 to 30% charge for borrowing, you're now looking at these huge annual interest rates. And if you end up rolling over that loan or extending that loan, let's say maybe you can't pay back the full $100. Well, most of the time, it's not just 100 bucks. Usually it's $500 and it's 15 or $30 per 500. And so now you're looking at, okay, I can't make the full $500 payment this time. So I'm going to take that loan and continue it. And that's extending the loan. And this is one of the biggest struggles for people as they begin to go through this process and they begin to extend the loan unintentionally. And so we'll dig into the details of that. But uh, a basic example of this could look like borrowing $1,000 and you do a six month loan and at around 300% interest rate, you're looking at a monthly payment of $338.82 and a total cost over that six months of over $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> and so just each month, your payment is one third of what you borrowed, but it's going to take you six months to pay it off and you end up spending over $2,000 or, or repaying 2000 for the 1000 that you borrowed. So it's basically a 100% interest rate in just six months. But if you extrapolate that over the year, you're looking at around a 300% interest rate. It's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a, a bad deal. And unfortunately, this, this type of credit, it extended to people who usually don't have credit or have bad credit. So they're kind of in a pinch. They need to pay a bill or they need to keep the lights on. Uh, and it's it's really marketed toward people who are down and out. And mm-hmm. because they're in that position, these lenders, unfortunately, um, I, I think it's highly immoral. But again, that's the moral side of me. Um, they really take advantage of the position that people are in. And it doesn't just end with the interest rate. The biggest complaint with these loans is that the way they're written is very confusing. It's confusing yeah. for even an average person, educated person, to really read through them. They sometimes take sentences and put them out of 
order where they're still communicating the facts, but it's put in such a way that it's confusing and, and, and hard to really decipher what am I actually agreeing to here. Yeah. And unfortunately, people who are getting these type of loans will not sit there and read through the information and really understand what they're getting into. They'll ask the question, well, how much is it going to cost me? Well, to borrow $100 will cost you $15. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to pay, I'll pay the $15. I'll get the $100 today. So people will do it because it sounds like it's not that big of a deal. Okay, so it'll cost me $60 to borrow $400 today. And that doesn't seem like a big deal. It is if you do it all the time, but most people don't think they're going to do it all the time. They think, oh, this is a one-time thing. I'll never have to do this again, and I'll pay it off as soon as I got paid. Unfortunately, things happen out of our control, and then they can't pay. The loan has to be paid in full. That's the way it's written. And then when it's not paid in full, then there's an extension of the loan. It's not like saying, well, I paid 200 and now I owe 200 No, no, no. When you didn't pay the whole thing, there's all kinds of fees and penalties because you didn't pay it. You've broken that agreement to pay it off in full plus the charge. So now there's additional fees and everything else begins to kind of snowball yeah. against you. Yeah. And, and it becomes very, very painful. Yeah. So this is one of the most common complaints. And when you look up uh, these payday lenders and see what the Better, Better Business Bureau says and what other companies are saying and the common complaints... One is that the people, as they go through and they look back at their statements, they're going to be claiming, uh, okay, the lenders charge me fees and interest that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the reasons is what Leo said. A lot of people won't take time to look at the legal jargon, but the way it's written is intentionally confusing so that when you get your statement, you are surprised by some of the fees. You are surprised by how high the interest rate is. Uh, the next thing is that uh, a lot of times these lenders will go take money from your account without permission because you have to give them your account number in advance and they have to have a check from you and they know your routing number, your account number. And so they're going to go to your bank and say, hey, this person owes us money. We're going to withdraw money from their account. And so sometimes people will become overdrawn unexpectedly mm -hmm. because these payday cash or payday loan places will pull money prematurely. And then the final piece is that loan extension fee. And I think it's a little bit confusing. So let us walk you through it. Uh, if you borrow $100, there could be what is called a loan extension fee, which is a charge to say, okay, let's say I can't pay that $100 back next week. They say, no problem. We will extend that $100 loan for another week if you just give us $15. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have the $100 today, so I'll pay the $15. Well, if you're doing that month to month and you multiply that times nine, and let's say you have a $900 loan mm -hmm. and $900... Well, that's a $135 fee because it's nine times 15. Right. And so now you've got a $135 fee in order to extend your loan from one month to the next. So you're going along, you have a $900 balance that you owe, you realize you can't pay the full $900, so you write in a check for 135 bucks. And you think, okay, I just paid down my balance by $135. <laughs> but no, what you actually did is you extended the loan... So now you still have a $900 balance, but they've just got your 135. Well, you end up, and, and I say you, most people who go through this process, they will pay $135 a month because that's the bill that comes to them. And they're not looking into the details. They're not looking at the word loan extension. They're looking at, oh, loan fee. This is what I pay. And sometimes they change the language to make it confusing. And so they're paying 135, paying 135, paying 135. They do that seven times and that's more than $900. And they think, man, I must be almost done paying off this debt. 
but instead they still have the original $900 balance because all they did was extend the loan. And so if they wanted to actually be paying down the loan, they'd have to pay the 135 plus another 100 or 200. I mean, it, it gets crazy. And that's where you get these super, super high interest rates uh, that are 450% a year or 700% a year. And it's because you have these fees and the interest rates tied in and people can really get trapped in this really quickly. Yeah, it's really bad when you consider the fact that you're only borrowing $900, but you could literally be four or five months in thinking, I'm paying this off, and to find out you still have the original balance. It's actually set up in a way that the way the money is pulled from your account, you think you're making the payments. And it isn't until about four to five months later when you're getting close to what you said is, well, I should be close to pay it being paid off. However, the way the loan is structured you're paying that extension fee thinking you're making the payment. And then they, four or five months later, will email you or call you or write you a letter right. to say, hey, your loan is outstanding. Like you haven't paid. And you're like, what do you mean I haven't paid? Mm -hmm. I've been making payments every month. You guys have been deducting it automatically from my account. And what they find out is like, no, 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 that wasn't paying any of the principal down. Right. You're just paying a fee. Right. And that's not known when you get into it. Right. Because again, the loan isn't, it's not as simple as it sounds. It's right. actually much, much more complex. Right. And it's why some states will actually outlaw. You can't even have these loans in certain states. And I wish they were all altogether, but unfortunately, there's a huge amount of money that these organizations can make on people who are not informed, who are not educated in how these loans work. And honestly, it doesn't matter your level of education. The way the loan is written, it's set up for you not to know what you're actually signing and what you're doing. You think you're understanding, but you're really not. And you won't find out until you're already a few hundred dollars in, into the hole. Yeah, I'm looking at one of these payday loan, um, the legal jargon that's at the bottom of the form that you sign. And it is so confusing. There's about, I don't know, uh, 300 words written and squeezed in there. And this is very small print, like less than eight eight size font, maybe six size font. And I'm squinting, just trying to read it. I'm enlarging it on my computer to see it. And, and it tells you, okay, this payment is due on this day, but then it's three or four lines later that says that payment is a loan extension fee. You would think, oh, the first thing that's listed here is how much I'm going to pay and it's going to knock my loan down. No, the first thing that's listed is that loan extension fee, but they don't call it that. They say, this is the first amount due, due on this day. Three or four lines later, oh, you're renewing your loan when you pay this fee. Three or four lines later, you are not reducing your principal by doing this. It's it's very confusing the way that it's written. And if I were to just sit down and read this without having studied it, I would think, oh, okay, I just you know pay a little bit more than I you know I yeah you know, I borrowed a thousand, I pay three hundred a month. Three months later, I should be almost done when really all you've done is extend the loan. It's a really scary thing. Now, the the good thing is, is that it does say uh, what the yearly percentage rate is on this one that I'm looking at. It strictly says in bold letters, 670%, yep. <laughs> you know, 0.38, whatever it is. But they show right on here. So they're well, They have to by it. law. They wish they couldn't. Right, exactly. They have to, but they do. Exactly. So they put that in bold, but then very deep down in this fine print, it's where they hide these other pieces. And you can imagine you've paid on your loan for seven or eight months and you find out that you haven't paid down anything and you're frustrated. Yeah. You call them, you say you're not going to pay anything more. And then they say, okay, well, A, we'll cash the check that you gave us in the first place to hold it, kind of like a little security deposit. And B, we're going to go withdraw on your bank account until you close your bank account. And so sometimes you have to close the account that you gave them access to. Yeah. 
And then they say, okay, we're going to go crash your credit. We're going to put this in collections. And so now most of the time when you're at this place, you're already struggling and they're just going to just continue to, to turn the screws on you and make it more painful. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation. And the reason we wanted to talk about it today is to, to help you understand that when you're in a tough situation, the worst thing to do is to, to go for out for another loan. It's better to find a family member, somebody you trust, somebody that you can have very clear direction of. Here's what I need. Here's how we can get help. And more importantly than that, rather than just going for a, one of these loans, why not find some other ways to cut some of your cost? And if you have to, it's better not to pay a bill on time and potentially pay a late fee than to take this kind of loan out. Uh, this, yeah. this is not this is not going to end well. Right. It's going right. to be very, very painful. Yeah, it's time to look at dramatically lowering your lifestyle yes. and going to live with friends, going to live with family. If, if you're looking at missing a rent payment and you think, oh, I'll just go take out a payday loan so I don't miss this rent payment. Well, if you're looking at missing a rent payment, it means that your budget is already not working the real root, the real problem here is that your monthly spending plan, you're over every month and you don't realize it. And so that's why you're not making rent. So if you go get a payday loan to try to fix that root problem, mm -hmm. the payday loan won't help you because you're already overspending. Right. So what you really need to do is dramatically reduce your lifestyle. And, and that can be a tough thing to do because you've got to go look at friends, family. You've got to look at very inexpensive places to live, renting a, a, a single room from another uh, person in the city. I mean, you've got to look at different things. And that can be a scary place to be. But being wrapped up in this trap of debt is even worse. So that's payday loans. Yeah. The the other one is a title loan, which is similar to a payday loan. The only difference is that it requires you to have a title to a vehicle that is paid off. So the vehicle, you have to own it. It has to have no liens on the title. Uh, you also have to have a steady source of income and no bankruptcy or coming out of bankruptcy. Unfortunately, it causes the same problems as a payday loan does. It's fast cash and it's high interest, and it keeps you stuck in the cycle. So uh, it's really not much different than a payday loan. The only right. difference is I think that that makes a big difference, actually, is that now you're putting your car, potentially your only transportation, yeah. in danger of being repossessed because they now have your title so they can get it repoed. Yep, yep. And I know that as you're, as you're hearing this and you're thinking, who would ever do this? But when you look at the advertising for these things, uh, you see somebody who's smiling, someone yeah. holding cash. Always, always. You see like joy in their eyes as they're like, get $1,000 as soon as tomorrow. Um, $1,500 in your bank today. 100% secured. No credit check. No facts. I mean, like they, they are trying to sell you on things that aren't related at all to the cost. They're selling you on, you know, even if you even if you have a brand new job, that's okay. We'll take it. You know, social security approved. Now you're putting your social security check on the line. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so goofy, but the marketing is very appealing, especially if you're going through a tough time. So I, I completely understand why someone would get pulled into this, but the way it's written, and we just want to warn you and help you warn your friends and family, uh, if you're wrapped up in this, uh, do everything you can. If you know someone wrapped up in this, do everything you can to help them break free from the cycle. But again, that starts by getting that healthy budget in place because they don't fix the root, then they're going to end up back in the same fruit. Yeah. And I think the one thing to understand is when, if you do go into one of these places, you're going to talk to people who are employed hmm. and trained to say certain things. When they call you on the phone, you never talk with the same person. You never talk to the same person. And they're constantly trying to get you 
to understand one thing when actually you're signing something totally different. And it's this lack of information. It's not outright lying, but it's lack of information or disjointed information that confuses you. And then you end up buying into something that you don't understand or signing a contract that you don't fully understand. And so it's important that you understand you can take people at their word. If you cannot right. take that piece of paper and fully dissect it, understand, and get them to say and sign on the dotted line to say this what this is what this means, then whatever you're signing, it, you can go in there and say, well, they said this. It really doesn't matter. Right. The piece of paper, what that piece of paper says and what those charges are is what they're going to be able to do. So it's important not to take people at their word. I think sometimes people who are drawn in, the same people who are unfortunately uh, – they watch these commercials of people smiling and saying, look, I can get $1,000, I can get $500. They right. can easily get this right. money, right? And because of that, they walk in and they think, I just, I'm just going to ask the right questions and make sure I understand what this is. Right. So they ask the person that's across the desk from them and says, well, what does this mean? What well, means this, this, this? And unfortunately, they're not going to tell them exactly what's going to happen. Right. And they're not going to find that out until four or five months into it. Right. And when they find out, it's already cost them hundreds of dollars potentially. Yeah. And that person... They're not going to be the person that they're going to have to go to court with or, or battle with. Right. They got a piece of paper that they signed, and right. that piece of paper gives that lender the right to put them through this ordeal. Right. So right. just be careful, folks. It's best to avoid this altogether, and we're just trying to give you all the, the tips that we can to help you understand that uh, the law, unfortunately— is on their side just as much as it is on yours, and they have crafted a very well— uh, and confusing document mm, yeah. to, to allow them to do what they're doing. So it's just best to, to stay away from them. Yeah. Yeah. The goofy thing is that there are some states that make it illegal to do this because they know it's predatory. They know that sure. people are going to get wrapped up in it. But the payday loan companies, some of them have gotten so um, complex in the way they handle things that they go through uh, non-state organizations mm -hmm. on non-federal land or non-state land, yeah. even though they may be <laughs> operating in the state. And they've found ways to work around the law that are legal, but clearly immoral. Sure. And it's sure. really sad. And, and you see this happen. And so uh, I would just encourage you, and if you happen to be in any kind of uh, legislation position where you have the right to write some legislation, if you're a senator or representative or a congressman, I would highly encourage you to uh, do everything you can to help protect the consumer in this case. So that's payday loans and the title loans. The next thing that we're going to look at is rent to own. And rent to own can seem highly attractive, especially if you've just moved into a place, you don't have any furniture, you don't have a TV, and you see, oh, you know, 30 bucks a month and I can have a brand new TV. That's very inexpensive. It seems like on the front end. Well, I went and pulled up some pricing on several different objects at these rent to own places. I'm going to round up the numbers so you don't get confused with the dollars and cents. But uh, let's look at a new OLED TV. So a brand new, really nice TV. The buy it now price when you go to the rent to own place would be a thousand bucks. But if you rent to own it and you spend a year paying it off, you're going to spend $1,800. Yeah. So 800 extra dollars over the course of a year. Um, you're looking at an interest rate somewhere between 60 and 80% in on average on a piece of electronics like that. Uh, the lowest price though, if you were to go shop for that same product somewhere else, it would actually only be around $500 for that yeah, same TV. That's crazy. So they already double the price up front 
and then you pay a ton in interest over the course of that year, very high interest. And so you've overpaid in the front and you've got all this interest. So it's a little bit scary. If you look at a full refrigerator, uh, the buy it now price might be something like $1,300. But if you rent to own it over the course of a year or two years or three years, whatever the, the line is, uh, you're going to spend over $2,000 yeah. on this $1,300 refrigerator. And if you had looked for that same refrigerator at another big box store, you'd actually taken the time to go online, research it, look for it. It's really only a seven or $800 refrigerator, yeah. but you overpaid by $500 in the first place. And you end up almost doubling that amount because you rented it over two to three years. So it seems like a quick fix. It seems like something that gets you in the door really fast to that TV. So you can watch the NFL, you know, this coming fall. And that's actually how they advertise it. Hey, football season starting. That's right. that's hey, right. you know, the Emmys are starting. Hey, you know, this is coming up. Be, be aware. You want to watch your famous or your favorite, you know, Christmas movies. Yeah. Make sure you get this TV today. So they sell it as a quick, instant gratification but you're typically overpaying on the front end and overpaying over time. Yeah, I remember around Thanksgiving, uh, one of these organizations put out a uh, commercial about getting a new stove, double oven, whatever, mm. for oh, Thanksgiving. For so you can do your big Thanksgiving dinner. Right. And it's kind of ridiculous to some of us, I guess. But for somebody who is in that position where they're like, I don't have a good refrigerator, or I don't have a stove, or I don't, and they're needing to replace it. It sounds like a lifeline. It sounds like this is easy. I can make a $60 payment, whereas I can't afford a $1,200 stove. Right. But unfortunately, what you're really choosing to do is you're choosing to overpay mm -hmm. by a lot. Right. Like it right. Would, you'd be better off putting it on your credit card. <laughs> yeah, pretty which much. Is, which is bad it's, enough. It's actually true because you're looking at 60 to 80% interest right. on these rent to own right. versus a 15 to 30% interest exactly. on a card. Yep. Yeah. Now, I still wouldn't. Because with a credit card, now it. you can right. have it on for 20 years and you're probably going to pay four times the amount. So it's never a good idea to have that kind of loan anyway, whether it's a credit card or these type of loans. But just to understand, folks, what we're trying to really communicate is that when you're in a position where you're, you're in a pinch and you don't have a way to buy something or to pay for something, you're more likely to jump in one of these lifelines that ends up being shackles. And what we're trying to warn you is if you pre-plan and have a budget in place that helps you to manage your money better, then you can avoid these situations. And over time, you can get into a place where you've got savings and you're putting enough aside so that when that next appliance or whatever it is you need to, need to replace, when you need to do that, you'll have the money or you'll be able to borrow a lot less to do it. Yeah. You, won't, you won't get stuck in these kind of loans. You can take a typical loan from a credit union or something that's going to be reasonable that you can pay off in a reasonable amount of time and you're not going to pay hundreds of percent yeah. on that yeah. purchase, which is crazy. So that was rent-to-own appliances, furniture, electronics. Let's talk a little bit about rent-to-own homes. Mm. And this is where a buyer and a seller agree in advance on a long-term contract and it can be a little bit tricky. So renting to own a home uh, is kind of similar to a car lease. Uh, the seller has given his tenant the right to buy the house at some point in the future. Right. So you go to rent, you say, okay, I'm being given the opportunity on paper through a contract. I can buy this home later and I'm locking that in today. Usually it's one to three years out and you agree on the price of the home today, which can be advantageous to the buyer, to the person who's renting, because they could lock in a price that maybe the home will go up over the next three years. Mm -hmm. And if they lock in the price, 
Now, they're usually locking in the price with some built-in inflation in it. Yes. So, you know, you're not going to get a great, great deal on this. But if you fall in love with a home in a certain area, you may be able to lock in a decent price as a buyer. Generally, the tenant or the renter is going to pay an additional fee every month. And we call that option money. And it's the option to buy the house. So you're paying a fee for the option to buy the house later. And not only do you have the option fee, but you're also going to pay typically 15 to 20% more every month in rent. And that is a little bit of a premium. And that premium goes towards almost like a down payment for the house. Right. So you're going to overpay 15 to 20%. So if you were to buy or you're renting for $1,000 a month, you may actually spend $1,200 a month. And that all goes to the seller, the owner of the home. Right. So for two, three years, you're overpaying and you've got it locked in. And now you've got to hope that you have the ability to buy that house on the back end. So what are some of the, the pitfalls of that? Yeah, I think one of them obviously is realize that no one knows the future. So uh, you don't know what the value of that home is going to be. The market can change. So if you agreed to buy it, it could be worth less than what you agreed to buy it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and so there's no guarantee. So to me, I think it's a well, I don't I don't like leases to begin with. And right. I think uh, leasing a home with the option to buy kind of fits into that category. So I, that's really what I want to communicate to our listeners is that it's something that you're doing today thinking that you're getting a better deal, but because you don't know the future, you're really agreeing to do some things on the front end right now, right? You're you're agreeing to pay a premium. Right. But if let's say you decide that you don't want to buy the home for whatever reason, something changes. You move jobs. Exactly. You have to move different states to be with family. You pay anything. that premium, you're not seeing any of that money. And the option fee. So exactly. maybe it wasn't just 20% more, but maybe it was 30% more. Money. Right. So to me, you're taking a risk for something you don't know that it's going to happen exactly the way you hope it's going to happen. There's too many unknowns. So that's number one. I think it's just realizing that one, you may overpay for the home or you may pay for the home for two, three years and then decide not to buy. So now you've paid a premium instead of just renting somewhere else and saving the difference. So then you can take that and buy a home on your own. Yeah. And the other danger is, again, you know, if you decide not to purchase that house, all that money goes with the seller. Mm -hmm. So some people that are a little bit unscrupulous or dare I say scammers mm -hmm. will intentionally target people who have very low credit who they anticipate will not actually be able to buy the house. Because in order to buy the house, you have to be able to get a loan from a bank right. to say, okay, this person is able to borrow $200,000 or $100,000 or whatever the value of the house is. And they look at these people that have bad credit and intentionally choose people that they know are very unlikely to be able to buy the house three years from now. And they overcharge them for three years. And then at the end, they can't buy it in the option period and now the scammer gets to keep all the money. Yeah. And so there are people who very intentionally, and they, they almost call it a form of investing. They're like, oh, I'm investing and, and using you know rental property to overcharge people and hoping they don't pay. Like to, right. it, It's almost a game to them, and it's kind of sad. So you have to be very careful. On the flip side, they may lock you into a contract that's not just an option to buy, but that requires you to buy mm -hmm. on the back end. 
And if you can't afford it on the back end, well, now you're locked into this contract and they can say, well, then we're going to charge you a thousand dollar or $5,000 fee to get out of the contract because you're contractually obligated to buy the house. Oh, you can't do it. Okay. We'll pay me $5,000 and I'll let you out of the contract. It can be very sticky. So in general, uh, we would stay away from rent to own appliances. We would stay away from rent to own homes. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, if you, are not right now able to buy a home because of potentially not having good credit or not enough credit, it's better for you to live on a good budget, begin to save, set that money aside, build your credit, or repair your credit. Why get into an agreement with the hope that your credit will be better three years from now and pay a premium in the meantime? Why? Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. I know that home ownership is something we all want, but again, we're taking risks that we don't need to take hoping that things work out exactly and perfectly the way we anticipate that will. And it rarely ever does, right? Yeah, so absolutely. it's not a good idea to do this kind of deal, in my opinion. I think there's too many risks that the buyer takes on and very few risks that the seller takes on. Yep. In fact, the seller stands to benefit tremendously from a deal like this, whereas the buyer, most of the time, will probably end up overpaying for something. Yeah, and then there's there's one last hiccup in here. Because we've been talking about a buyer and a seller that don't know each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the only formality to this is a contract. Uh, Where I have seen this become the most problematic Mm. is when it's family and friends that are trying to do the other person a favor. And they say, hey, I'll, I'll rent this house to you with the option to buy. But they are not contractually obligated. They did not go through the time and the paperwork of doing the correct paperwork. And somewhere along the lines, somebody makes a mistake, somebody can't make a payment, somebody wants to buy earlier than they promised, somebody wants to buy, but they don't actually have the money. And now there's all these emotions tied up because you've been trying to help a friend. And even if it was just unintentional and they they broke the the verbal contract because there's no written contract. And, you know, I thought he was going to do this, but he ended up doing this. I, we I see this all, all the time. Anytime you loan money to mm. family. Yeah. It changes the relationship. Sure does. And so, so the idea of leasing a home to a family member, you're you're using a debt scenario. I mean, you're using a you owe me, and I'm going to allow you to rent or allow you to live here, but you owe me. And anytime you go into servitude to someone else, to bondage, that's what debt is. That's why they call it corporate bonds, because you're bonding yourself to someone or something through the use of debt. You go into debt, you are in bondage to that person. And it feels very strange at Christmas when you're opening presents and your father-in-law is like, well, I can't believe you spent $100 on you know, this present for this person when you owe me $2,000 on that house that I've been letting you lease. Right. You know I mean? I, I don't know what the scenario is, but, yeah. but all of a sudden, oh, you're going on vacation this year? Well, you shouldn't go on vacation because you owe me $3,000 on the lease that we talked about. You know I mean? Yeah. The, the language that comes out is very harmful, and it can, it can leave years-long impacting painful moments in family relationships. Well, it could it literally could damage relationships for life. And uh, yeah, so definitely don't do this with family. I I think I think that's a that's a, a huge, it's a big no-brainer. Yeah. yeah, don't don't do that. But again, also don't get into any of these things that we talked about today. Uh, avoid getting into these quick answers to the solutions that you need for your financial well-being. There is no quick answer. It takes practice, it takes planning, it takes implementation, it takes discipline. And we're not saying that this has to happen overnight for you. In fact, it didn't happen overnight for us. 
we had to dig our way out of a hole. Natalie and I had to get out of debt. We had to learn how to manage debt uh, because we didn't manage it well early on. But we learned, and it served us well, and it helped us to make better decisions over time. And what we're trying to do is add value to you by sharing some of these things that we've done and some of the things that we've learned about and some of the things that we see in this industry as far as debt is concerned to keep you out of some of this bondage and help you to accomplish more by keeping more of your money so that you can do more with your money. That's right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like it, to rate it, and to subscribe, to share it with a friend on social media, to download the notes on leosabo.com. You can find all the resources and the episode notes there. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. right. biggest complaint with these loans is that the way they're written is very confusing. It's confusing for even an average person, educated person, to really read through them. They sometimes take sentences and put them out of order where they're still communicating the facts, but it's put in such a way that it's confusing and and hard to really decipher what am I actually agreeing to here. 